Hello, welcome back to It's a Wonderful Movie, uh, your favorite movie podcast. I'm your co-host, Jen, and I'm joined uh, with my other co-host, Sara. Hello. How are you doing, us? I'm good. You know, I'm on, I'm shocked that we're still doing this. I really thought after the first episode, uh, there would be some argument or some sort of split up of the band. And I mean, 24 listens on our first episode. I think that's, uh, you know, we should just keep this going. I think it's a lot. Riding it high. Spotify's records. You know what it screwed did. us? Michelle Obama's dropping a podcast. I read about that today. <gasps> No. So that's what Spotify. You think we could get her? For. Could we get her? Yeah. Let me let me talk to Barack. <laughs> she presented Argo. We could maybe get her at the Oscars. You remember that? Was no. Wasn't that Joe Biden? No. Joe has never left his basement for anything. <laughs> All right. All right. Should we? We should probably tell the audience that Leila is okay. unfortunately not here today yeah. because she said, and I quote, "I have no interest in this." Lord yeah. of the Rings, because we're talking about Lord of the Rings Return of the King today, but we do have two wonderful guests, our cousins, uh, Hassan and Khalid. Welcome Yo, to the show. Hello. How's it our, going, guys? That sounds really <laughs> enthusiastic. <laughs> They're our first guests. We're so excited. We are you guys excited to be here? Yeah, I have no words. That's good for a podcast. That's what we want. <laughs> what about you, Hassan? Any thoughts on the matter at all? I'm cautious. Have I heard elaborate? Uh, thanks for having us on your show. Welcome. <laughs> What's everyone. our show called? The Go to the Movies. <laughs> exactly. Anyways. That's correct. <laughs> close. close Sponsored enough. by Atlas Cinemas. Have either of you ever wanted to be on a podcast? Do you have any interest in this at all? I've actually hated podcasts. I don't know why I'm on this podcast right now. Really? You don't listen? No, I actually love podcasts. I don't know why I lied to you guys. I have Stitcher. (laughs) I have Apple Podcasts. I have a wide variety of podcasts, but usually they haven't involved my cousins. So you guys, I'm only doing this because you guys are my cousins. We're not going to have you on again. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. No, I'm very excited to be here. I really love talking about, especially the topic we'll be talking about today. And I'm here to outshine my brother, really. That's my only purpose. That's what you've been trying to do your whole life, isn't it? Yeah. He's been doing a much better job than I have. But we'll, well now see. It's time. It's time for you to come. Me over the edge. It's time for you to come out of the shadow. Exactly. Yeah, sure. Out of the shadow. Back Hassan, the any shire. thoughts on that? Well, I'm, I'm happy to have you guys here. And um, wait, it's nice, you know, so <laughs> Hassan, I want you guys so to kind of feel comfortable <laughs> and uh, kind of just have fun with it, you know? You know, you don't have to ask me or keep texting me questions throughout the whole thing. So you can go ahead yeah. and get started. Yeah, sounds That's good. That's great. <laughs> Jenna, do you want to tell the audience what we're talking about today? Yeah, so today we're covering Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. We're kind of going out of order with this one, but, you know, we thought it was probably the biggest blockbuster of that franchise. So I thought I it was a good second choice and we love this movie. Mm-hmm. Came out 2003, yeah. directed by Peter Jackson, nominated mm-hmm. for 11 Oscars, won all of them. So it really, like in terms of franchise blockbuster films, really set a new standard, which we're going to get yeah. into, I'm sure, later in the episode. Yeah, I think it only tied Ben-Hur and I think Titanic, right? And mm-hmm. Titanic. Yeah, they mm-hmm. both, both of those movies won 11 Oscars, but they didn't sweep. I think Ben-Hur was like 13 or 14. I think, I think Ben-Hur was in the, 15. The, the, the 50s Ben-Hur, to be clear, not the 2016 Ben-Hur. Um, yeah. Oh, there's a the 2016 Ben-Hur. We should know that. See, that, you know that? that I don't that, know that. That's a reflection <laughs> of how well it did. We're just starting out. Bear with you know us. What's, <laughs> you know what's interesting, though, is it swept the Oscars one best picture but no acting nominations which is really rare mm-hmm. for a best picture winner yeah that's pretty rare what do you think peter jackson's doing with all 11 of his oscars i really don't know maybe he just started giving them away at some point do you think that's do what he's doing <laughs> new zealand just handing them out on the street <laughs> new zealand is a great place to live are you where, not following the news it's true where would where would you even put 11 oscars i feel like you just you'd get bored just looking at them right in fairness, I don't think he has all of them. I went to rather. <laughs> yeah, I know that's true. I was hoping I was hoping they would catch that themselves. Uh, and we didn't want to embarrass you. We didn't want to embarrass you on the podcast. <laughs> it's okay. I'm my whole life is used to embarrassment. Oh wow, God. we're getting very deep with Khalid this episode. We're gonna see yeah. how this, goes. How this episode is taking a turn. Jenna, you wanna jump into summary? I'll let you take the, the one the lead right. on this. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so this film is the third in the Lord of the Rings franchise. It follows our beloved characters in Middle-earth as they try and destroy the One Ring. So really you see that a lot of the story follows Frodo, Sam, and Gollum, follow, follows Gandalf, follows Aragorn and his whole crew in Rohan. 
And basically, it's really hard to summarize this film, but basically they destroy evil. All of our characters live happily ever after, and there are no problems in Middle Earth ever again. Yeah, right? see, that's I one of the I... biggest problems, right? Honestly, I don't think it's a big, you know, in the book, right? Mm-hmm. You got to be the person who kind of compares the movie back to the book. When mm-hmm. our company of uh, hero hobbits return to the Shire, <laughs> There's, it's actually the epilogue is called the scarring of the Shire because I think it's uh, Saruman and Wormtongue have actually taken over the whole place. So after everything's done, you actually have this epilogue side story that happens. Are you serious? Yeah, oh, Jenna, he's lying. <laughs> I've never read. I have only. Re- I've only read Fellowship. I didn't, I'm sorry. I'm a fraud. I've read all, all of them. I mean, this I is about the movie. Them. So yeah, but Hassan, yeah. it's wow. good to know that you have this background. Well, um, we, thankfully, I'm married, so I can admit all of these episode. things, you know. <laughs> he has no one to impress. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. But we're women who are into this, so that's impressive, right? Yeah. That ended up the other side of the coin. Quality. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Maybe I'll read the books during quarantine. All right, let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> I mean, each book has like 30 pages on just imagery, which I don't think are necessary, you know? So. Oh, God. Let's, all right, to start out, I wanted okay. to ask, when I was re-watching this movie, when you rewatch it, when you revisit it, does it hold up to the first time you saw it? Is it as good as you remember? Is it your favorite of the franchise? No. Really? No. It's not as good or is it not, no. it's well, not your favorite? Two Towers is my favorite. Yes, I 100% agree. Two Towers takes the cake. Yeah. The battle scenes were great. And that one was actually nominated for Best Picture, too. And I feel like that should have won it. I'm not upset about Return of the King winning. I feel like it was a nice way to wrap up the franchise. Maybe it was a weak year for Return of the King. I don't know. Two Towers was normally is normally my favorite, but lately, whenever I rewatched The Fellowship, the first one, I, that one's becoming more and more my favorite. The three books were written to be one. It was one book, right? The whole thing's one story. So that, that's how I look at it. Like if, I, if I'm watching it, I'm watching the first part of one big long movie. Like I'm, I think I'm, I'm the psycho who went before the hobbit and i watched the 12 hour extended edition marathon only for you know with a break for taco bell and uh, get that baja blast get back in you know finish the rest of the the films it was like a nice 20 dollar ticket too it was probably one of the best days of my life oh. a- after my wedding or something but i mean it was really it was that that's so i mean for me like rotk is just like it's the culmination of everything. It's very emotional, even mm-hmm. though I feel like Twin Towers, when everything like picks up pace and you start having more fun with the characters and the battle scenes and all that. For me, maybe it's the nostalgia too. I, I, I think it's uh, it's my favorite movie. It's so as good as uh, it was. Return of the King is your favorite. Okay. I think I'm going to return to your ahead. question. Your question though, Sato, was does it hold up to mm-hmm. when you originally watched it? And I think because the movies were so part of me growing up, part of our childhood, you know, dressing up in costumes, having the posters, seeing the movies, the wistfulness and the nostalgia really does keep the Lord of the Rings up to par, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like every time I watch it, I feel like I'm a child again. I'm experiencing the same things that I experienced. Whether or not Return of the King is my favorite, well, I think I, I can answer pretty confidently no, because in terms of the movies, the way they were split up, um, the two towers focuses on by far my favorite character being Gandalf. I have a soft spot for old men. And, you know, he yelled at Bilbo in the first movie, you know, and all that kind of stuff all the way through when he comes back and he kind of proves himself as this out of this world figure. The Two Towers really gives more of a narrative around him, I feel, than any other character, even like the Hobbits, because they give you, they kind of resurrect him in the Two Towers, right? Mm -hmm. So he, he has this mystic aura around him that really attracted me to him as an old man especially and so that's why i like the two towers more but with regard to whether or not the movies hold up i think so i would i would agree for sure jenna you wanted to say something about i do want to ask really fast um hassan so you said you saw you did like a whole marathon before the hobbit did you just go like this was a waste of a day when you saw the hobbit what was the reaction to seeing oh i see what you're saying yeah. So, I mean, I look at The Hobbit from two different perspectives. I don't know. So, I mean, if, I think that Peter Jackson's like a great director. And after The Lord of the Rings ended, you always want something more, right? The story's over, whatever. But like, you know, you miss the style of how he did everything. He you know, created the world so well and got the actors to participate so well in the characters. So for that reason, you know, I 
definitely, <laughs> I guess I'm a minority who say I really enjoyed watching them. I know that from a book standpoint, they're not true to the books. You know, a lot of stuff has changed. A lot of stuff is added to have more action. The thing that I kind of counter that people criticize, the second thing is people were upset that The Hobbit was like so much lighter in tone compared to The Lord of the Rings. But the thing is, like, that's exactly how it's written. Like, right. The Hobbit the is child to story, be, right? Yeah, it's right. almost a children's book. It's, like, written to yeah. be much more light, a lot more singing, a lot more talks of, like, food. Almost reads kind of like a Redwall book. I don't know if you guys read those. But oh, Redwall. I, Red back in the I, don't, day. I, I know the book. Yeah, I didn't read it, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the second I, time you said that today, Jenna. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I don't know how to read. Maybe I don't know how to read. Maybe you got to read Jenna more children's books. Jenna may be illiterate. <laughs> I will say there's something I remember reading an interesting review when The Hobbit came out because I remember being disappointed ultimately when we saw in theaters, although like you're saying, it's just a different story. It's a different movie in general, but that the what it lacks is heroes you want to root for, like who, what you have in Lord of the Rings. You know, like kind of these attractive characters. So, mm. yeah, the Bilbo's Hobbit does Yeah, is Bilbo not good enough for you? It's his height, right? <laughs> He's good, but like when you're dealing with Gandalf and Aragorn and like these kinds of characters, I mean, you know, I know that you have I like Gandalf how Gandalf's and the Hobbit. in the same like category of attractiveness as Aragorn. I'm not I saying he's a. I don't value. I'm saying it. Even Boromir, who has an interesting story behind him, it's yeah. I, I always felt like The Hobbit falls flat, but it's you also just have to adjust your expectations for what you're watching. Yeah, I mean, I think Boromir becomes much more interesting of a character if you watch the extended editions because they put mm-hmm. those extra scenes like in Osgiliath where he's talking with Faramir, and you mm-hmm. kind of get more of a sense of the you know the brotherhood between the two and the relationship, their conflicted relationship with Denethor. Right, and how he treats them so differently. Almost like, it's so dramatic, it's like comical, right? Uh, Reminds me of our situation, Hassan. I was going to ask which one's Boromir. I agree with that. (laughs) Oh my God. I have a a question for you guys. Do you think that had The Hobbit come out as a separate story, separate enough to separate it from The Lord of the Rings, that it would have held up to similar standards of adventure and mysticism and and just uh, fictional brilliance? So if someone else directed it, if it was like a completely different franchise is what you're saying? I guess if it were different, if it were different, I mean, I guess it's a really difficult hypothetical to answer, mm-hmm. but if you weren't comparing it to its uh, predecessor in movie, right? If you weren't comparing it to the Lord of the Rings, would it still mm-hmm. have held up in terms of that fiction? I think if you're not comparing it, it definitely improves it. But there's a lot about The Hobbit in general. Like this was not a story that needs three movies. Like there's a lot mm-hmm. about just the films as they stand alone that could have been reworked, I feel. But yeah, if you don't have the comparison to Lord of the Rings, it's it's different. <laughs> I, I, I do want to ask, I know we're kind of getting off track here, but I mean, I don't, I didn't see Lord of the Rings in the theaters, but I think Hassan wanted <sighs> like you both did, right? Well, I mean, my parents wouldn't, they're like, what the hell is this? You want us to take you to this? Like they weren't down for it. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you guys saw it, right? So, what was that like seeing it in the theater? I cried. I remember you were I a child. <laughs> you probably I saw Smeagol and got scared. No, it wasn't that. I swear. I oh, I have a strong heart. No, I cried when Gandalf, quote unquote, died. I remember crying in the theater when he fell down the bridge of Khazad-dûm as he was fighting the Balrog of Morgoth. I remember it because I didn't know. I didn't read the books like my brother had. So I, I had put all of the stock and love and lust into Gandalf and trusting him lust. to carry me through this journey. <laughs> yeah, lust. I think that's a theme we're going to carry throughout this podcast. Yeah. I wish we did this episode during Pride Month. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> uh, damn it. <laughs> I mean, I didn't see Frodo as the protagonist, actually. I didn't even see the Fellowship as the protagonist ship. I saw Gandalf as the, my hero, really. And so when mm-hmm. he died... I, I felt hurt. I felt like the movie was, was like I was chasing something that wasn't going to be there anymore. So as a little kid, you wanted to be Gandalf, not Aragorn? Oh, yeah. That was definitely like hotted back in the day. Like you just really? wake up out of bed and just start making old man noises. <laughs> You'd be like, oh, 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 oh. like all the time walking around. If he, we were to play outside, he'd grab a staff and that was, you know, Gandalf's uh I wish you were exaggerating. I wish you were exaggerating. It's not exa- yeah. It was every time we play a video game, he picks like the old man looking character. Anytime yeah. we like fought, I mean, you know, yeah. you guys remember we used to beat each other up. I thought it was, it was the nurse. The nurse. Yep. Because, uh, <laughs> She's well, too fragile. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, would always have like an old man sort of like mentor warrior sort of character. Which is why we needed a nurse, because someone had to tend to the elderly. <laughs> so, you know. 
But I'm bumps. So, are we ready for favorite scenes? Maybe we each choose like one or two. And Jenna, we can start with you. Just tell us one of your favorite Me? scenes. Well, I kind of just have moments like any of the visuals. I really, really love. Like I just really appreciated them watching them again, watching this mm-hmm. movie again. Um, the way it's when filmed. Gandalf, yeah, like there was a moment where Gandalf is riding to save Faramir and his armies on his horse and he like grabs his staff and he like the light like the light mirrors off his staff or whatever and he like scares the Nazgul's away and like that's like freaking that was so cool or one or of just, my like, favorites too the yeah or like too during that scene is beautiful the way it changes yeah. when Gandalf arrives it's it's amazing yeah I mean it's like the score in the film is just amazing like Howard Shore just killed it it was so beautiful definitely mm-hmm. on my playlist and then, I mean, Eowyn killing Sauron, a big moment oh, the, for women. The Witch King. The Witch King. Yeah. That's an, that, she's like Witch the King. OG feminist char- character. She really is like one of the first, the you know, King. like strong female characters that we've had on the screen. Yeah, the, the Witch, Witch King, King is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Witch King's a really strong female character. I really wish we got to know her better. Not a lot of people know. Yeah, the yeah. Witch King was a girl. I, I love Eowyn, and I really like yeah. that moment. I agree with you, Jenna. It's a good scene. And then just at the very end, Aragorn, uh, when they arrive at Mordor, like he's getting tested for a split second by the, the eye. And then like it starts talking, whispering to him. You think like, oh my God, he's going to, that's it. He's going to flip. Like he's going to, they lost him. And then he turns around and he goes for Frodo and they all like charge. And you know, one of the that. best scenes. Oh, you're I talking about the, up the mouth scene. of Sauron. The mouth yes. of Sauron. Is it a mouth or an, it's an eye? Oh, in the extended edition, they go into oh. a thing where like a character yeah. comes out, right? It's, yeah. yeah. So oh. In the extended oh, edition, okay. his name is his name is the mouth of Sauron, and he opens his mm. mouth, and he has these very large teeth, and there's like beetles and insects crawling in between oh, them, right? Yeah. And and so like that's when Aragorn <laughs> just slashes his head off after he starts to talk a bunch of shit to him. And Aragorn's like, I'm not putting up with this. Sorry, can I swear? I don't. I yeah. Don't yeah. Oh, this is not family friendly. It's family friendly. Like, uh, oh <laughs> what direction are we taking this? So yeah, yeah. I think that that was going to be my answer. I don't mean to cut your comprehension. No, no. Yeah, tell us your favorite or anything. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm oh. done. The the last thing I had was just anything Gandalf says, and that's it. <laughs> and that's the end of that. Well, I have an answer for my favorite scene and my least favorite scene, actually. Favorite scene is, I think, um, the the Mouth of Sauron portion. Because that, to me, like, it, once they're actually able to interact with one of the manifestations of Sauron, I think that that's very cool. You know, from, like, the whole time you just see Sauron is this eye, this eye, and he's going, rah, 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 whenever the ring is put on, right? But you don't really know what he's saying. Then finally yeah. you see a manifestation of him. And the fact that Aragorn just kind of chops off his head and then... He says, for Frodo, and they run through the gates. I think that's pretty mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. My least favorite scene, I think, is also in the extended edition, and it's when Gandalf is is in Gondor, and he is in, he encounters the Witch King, and the Witch King mm-hmm. says something about him being an old man and raises his sword, and he breaks Gandalf's staff. Oh. And I'm just like, how is Gandalf so weak against the Witch King? You know, my hero is so weak. Like, they don't really explain it any more than that, especially if someone, I mean, I don't even know how the books explain it. Hassan, you can go into further depth, but where does the staff go? Why is Gandalf so much weaker than the Witch King when Gandalf went, he fought the Balrog? I mean, there's only two yeah. Balrogs, right? There's one in, in forget what the tower yeah, is. Yeah, Baradora, the Tower of Baradora, that's where. There, there's one uh, in the Tower of Baradora, and there's one in, there's one in. Uh, Those are the two Moria. that we know about. Well, maybe so the maybe fact there's he, others, you know. He, COVID he, happened, so <laughs> shut them down. Oh, he, fought, he fought the Balrog. He beat the crap out of the Balrog, and then he just yeah. loses against this guy who screams, "You're an old man!" And then he breaks his staff. Like, come on, what is up with that? I mean, it's not, not it's well. I think with this character, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think the point in the movie, like you were just Peter Jackson's trying to show like a, a point of hopelessness in the siege of Minas Tirith, and you know, once the staff breaks the confrontations interrupted i think by theoden arriving on the scene um with the, his uh you know roharam yeah. riders and you hear mm-hmm. like the horn it's like right at dawn and then the witch king's like drawn away but you know the witch king's he's he's a big deal too so i mean that also kind of brings to light the way jr tolkien right depicts magic in his whole book is this sort of like vague elusive yet very powerful force so it's not like aragon or harry potter 
or I don't know what else comes to mind in terms of like magic where you have to say a spell and then mm. something happens, you know, and you sit down and you kind of study it like academically and then suddenly you'd like learn how to do magic with the Lord of the Rings. Like magic is supposed to be very rare, like something that's like unseen, but kind of like known it exists in like a few mythical creatures that are very rare. And then they're like, you know, the, the, the point is, I think is that magic is kind of supposed purposely depicted in this kind of vague way but kind of to leave room i think for the reader or the moviegoer to kind of just imagine use their own imagination um you know without limit to kind of like conceive how powerful someone is based on their you know magical reputation Mm-hmm. I think that's a very good excuse for what happened in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hassan, what are your favorite scenes? I mean, insurance probably covers the staff, so. Yeah. <laughs> staff he's insurance. Probably, he's probably on Medicare at that age, so they don't have to work. <laughs> Do they have? They have Medicare in Middle East. Uh, the I was going to say Middle, Middle East. East. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a fair question. I don't um, think they do. I don't think. Well, that's a whole other podcast. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll get into it. Yeah, you'd think that he met his deductible when he went from the lowest dungeon to the highest peak. Uh, all right, uh, Hassan, tell me your favorite scenes. Well, actually, right after Khalid's scene, uh, this is almost poetic, right? His favorite mm-hmm. scene ends, my favorite scene actually begins. <laughs> what a beautiful yeah, moment between brothers. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I think when Thaden comes in, he does his like uh, speech to rile up Wait. everyone, and dawn breaks the horizon, right? And Thaden rides up with his boys. I looked up the speech, and I mean, I was just going to read this, like, small part of it where he's just, like, you know, so everyone's, like, terrified. They see the whole army, like, destroying, like, you know, the last bastion of, of men. And he says, arise, arise, riders of Theoden. Spears shall be shaken. Shields shall be splintered. A sword day, a red day. Ere the sun rises, ride now, ride now, ride. And then he starts, yeah, screaming death, death, death. Because, you know, before battle... I mean, everyone's like adrenaline is pumping. They're scared. They're terrified. There's a degree of excitement. When you kind of like embrace mortality at that point, and you think of death and you kind of never feel more alive, right? Right before that confrontation. So I thought, you know, that's just like a very exciting scene. You know, you see the good guys coming in on the bad guys. They're like, oh, the tables are about to turn. That's a good one. I wrote that one down too. It just, it, it's filmed beautifully. The music is good again. And like what Lord of the Rings does best is when they, you have these low moments and then the peak, when it picks back up, you're really invested as a me- like an audience member and you really want to see what's going to happen. You know what I think makes that scene even better, by the way? Mm-hmm. The fact that even after that, don't the Oliphants and the people riding yeah. them come in? Yeah. So like it peaks up and then it comes back down. So like yeah. you're always on the edge of your seat. And I guess the sec- the second scene that comes to mind for for picking two after the ring is destroyed, Frodo his boys are up uh, at the top of Minas Tirith at uh, Aragorn's uh, coronation, and there's the point where like Aragorn gets crowned, everyone bows, and then the hobbits like go to bow for a moment, and he tells them, "You bow to no one," right? And I think mm-hmm. it's like a big like tearjerker it's probably another what a man that whole yeah that whole coronation is so good i wrote down i wrote down everything you guys wrote for the most part i liked pippin's song a lot that whole scene i think is really beautiful with denethor eating and you don't like that scene i love that that, isn't isn't that the second movie though no, no, that's, no, no, that's, that's Return of the one. King. That's this one. That's Return of the King. That's when he, he sends farmer yeah. back to take back his gilead and remember we do yeah exactly he's acting yeah. it out um, and then finally, the last one I mentioned was when the Fellowship reunites after Frodo destroys the ring and you see the original group come back together. That's this movie, right? Khalid is looking at me like I'm crazy. Don't they, have, they reunite? They're in, they're in um, oh, House of I, Elrond, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone's Elrond. gathering around Frodo and then Sam walks in and they have a moment and you realize how much has happened and how much is so much time. Has oh, passed. that's when Frodo's laying in the bed and he yes. wakes up and he sees Gandalf. And Gandalf's Hollum's sitting there. Love and he's laughing. Yeah. yeah. They start how they have a moment. Yeah. Father's dream yeah. is to wake up and find an old That'd man be the room f- smiling. I that would <laughs> be dream come true. That's how I want to wake yeah. up every morning. Maybe I well I hope that happens for you. <laughs> That's all I want. Thank you I, you I want to wake up live. every morning to an old white man sitting by your I, bed. Honestly, I should just go sleep in a nursing home. I don't think you mentioned race, just to be clear. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think that's it for scenes. Should we move into most valuable players, least valuable players? 
I was going to ask, do you think that final scene of when Denethor sees that his son is awake as he's burning him alive, that like that short moment of love towards his son, what do you, what do you think of that? What's your initial reaction? Is it, is it love or is it disgust for what he's trying to do to his son? I don't know if you ever, I mean, I can't tell if it's affection or if he's just horrified with his own behavior. It was, it's definitely a sense of awareness is happening in that moment, but. I don't know if it was enough to change anything, right? Well, yeah, I mean, was he was still time? burning his son alive. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I was thinking, I was thinking, like, when I saw it, I was like, Faramir was also waking up. Like, what the hell was he thinking when he looked up? Like, in that memory, he lived. Yeah. Like, that memory is going to live forever with him. Like, that might, like, He's probably pretty happy he woke up and found an old guy at the end of the tables. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he was burning. <laughs> it's not what it wants. The man was being burned alive. Yeah, in general, this is one of my issues with the movie is I don't feel like it does Faramir justice. You don't get to, like, we go from him struggling with his father to all of a sudden him ending up with Aowen and there's not much in between. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, they don't do it justice to his character development. And- That's why the, the extended scenes, I feel like, do, do it a little bit yeah. better. With his scenes with Boromir, and then I think at the end, they add the scene with Aowen. That- mm-hmm. where they're kind of both, like, recovering, and then they look at each other. Who's a better pair, that- Aragorn and Arwen or Faramir and Aowen? Aragorn and Arwen. Really? Yeah. I mean, I was her for Arwen and Arwen, we didn't really like explore that at all. I mean, we just you yeah. just know a little bit that, you know, they're going to get together. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, they, they both got justice because life has sucked for kind of both of them. You're like, okay, good. Yes, also, I like that. Wasn't Eowyn into Aragorn like for a little bit? He was. Yeah. Until like was. five minutes before she played she her. Her. <laughs> he played yeah, her. So he played her. He let her on. <laughs> it was long distance and it was kind of tough for him to figure things out. And she found out he was like 87. She was cool with it. (laughs) Yeah, that's in the extended edition. She's like, how old are you? And he's like, you know, I'm in my 80s. And she's like, oh, okay. (laughs) That's nice. That sounds like something that would happen to Khalid. (laughs) It's right after she makes him like this disgusting porridge. Like he eats it and it's like absolutely nasty. I think when he found out, you know, maybe you can criticize. It's probably, you know, it's the context of the times. Don't call him a chauvinist. But when he found out that she really couldn't cook, he kind of changed his mind. (laughs) He's such a giving person. <laughs> okay, so most valuable player, least valuable player, the way that, mm-hmm. I guess, John, I don't know if you decided differently, but I normally, I've been choosing based on which characters were valuable to the story, moved the story forward, had strong moments, and which characters didn't bring anything to the table or were just really mm-hmm. shitty overall. Well, That's last time I looked at it, like, who did Marvel screw over? And this time I was like, because we did Infinity Wars. This mm-hmm. time I was like, who made me happy? Who didn't make me happy? <laughs> That's how I looked at it. Who made well, you happy, real- Aragorn's facial hair, his yes. hair, Gandalf, Frodo and Sam's pseudo-romantic relationship. It mm-hmm. all- oh, <laughs> There's definitely <laughs> happy. Um, and then that was the world's introduction to Orlando Bloom. The hair, mm-hmm. like... This is a very interesting way of answering least and most valuable. <laughs> yeah, I think you just <laughs> talked about hair and like homoerotic like. Uh, is a little bit more superficial, but she's a co-host. Okay, <laughs> my least, my, least, my, my, my LVPs are a little mo- bit more thought out, a little more. I learned a lot about right. your cousins through. Yeah. Khalid, who is uh, Khalid? Who's your most valuable player? Oh, I mean, I think you guys can guess, but I'll give you a reason why Gandalf is the most valuable player here. So. Imagine as though Gandalf weren't there. He wouldn't have, he, he would have let Gimli take people straight to Moria. He wouldn't have even tried um, Karadaras, right? Which is the path in the mountains. And then also like the bridge of Khazadum, like if he had just, you know, if he had, hadn't been there, like the Balrog would have just wiped everyone out. So, and that was so early on that it's not like a later thing that they would have met more people, you know? And on top of that, just the wealth of wisdom and, the sage advice that he gave to people. I mean, that is invaluable right there. You cannot his get beauty, that with his grace, with, with his hair, the yeah. horse. That's experience. <laughs> the horse is beautiful. Shadow facts. Shadow facts. Oh my oh, God. God. He's the Lord of all horses and he's been his friend for many ages. Right? Exactly. Exactly. Hassan, your most valuable player is. The MVP really is Sam. I mean, Sam Definitely. is like, he's Frodo's rock. Obviously, the Frodo, if he didn't have like that pure heart and, you know, that willingness to undergo the sacrifice of carrying the burden burden of the ring, you know, the story would have never gone to completion, right? But Sam, without Sam, like he would have died so many times and it just proved his gardener ended up being like his best friend. I mean, again, like I think 
I mean, think of all the. I'm I'm thinking of like with Shelob, with Gollum. I mean, being a good cook. Yeah. I mean, all those things like were just like crucial, honestly, to getting the the ring into the fire. And then I think the curveball MVP is Gollum, because looking back first, right when Frodo first notices someone following them in the in the mines of Moria, I think in the in the Fellowship. Um, he tells Gandalf, you know, someone's following us, and Gandalf's like, "Oh yeah, I know. He's been following us for days." Mm-hmm. Uh, that that dude over there, that's that's Gollum. He's the same guy that your uncle met, you know, however many years back, uh, and he ended up getting the ring from, right? Doing riddles in the dark. Um, uh, and they're like, "Well, you know, should we do something about it?" And Gandalf's like, "I feel like this guy still has a part to play." Tolkien kind of likes to stay a little bit vague with his themes and leave room, leaves room for interpretation. I think that's 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 a little part about destiny. I think being a theme in the story is that you know he has a part to play, and we have to let things carry out uh, to see what that role is. And of course, we see in the culmination. Besides the fact that he led them through Mordor, you know, you can argue whether or not that would have happened anyways. And despite the fact that he tried kill Frodo several times, at the very end, Frodo decides not to cast the ring into the fire and it's Gollum attacking him and biting his finger off right that ends up leading to the ring actually finally being destroyed do you think Gollum in a sense was kind of trying to like free himself by leading them to Mordor I mean like there's no way that like it didn't I mean I don't know if his brain is like that like disheveled you know what I mean like that far gone where it didn't cross his mind that they could actually do it like me leading them there could do it I don't know if he was suicidal, but I, I felt like, you know, Gollum's story is, I think, supposed to be like a tragic story of of almost like failed redemption, right? We always It's always cool to see character development in a story where someone does something bad and terrible and then they redo, redeem themselves by doing something good and you see character growth. Whereas with, with Gollum, as he became closer with Frodo... Um, you start to see Smeagol come back out and kind of play a more active role. And then until I think they have that run in with Farmir at the pool, then you start seeing Gollum kind of like suppress Smeagol again and kind of fall to the the lure of the ring. I concur. If that means Thank anything. You. Thank to you, Sada. It means a lot <laughs> to me. I, 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 do, I do want to mention, though, that Gandalf was the one who hit Samwise over the head through the window yeah. when he was rustling out. Khaled, we get it. Gandalf so is, you know, our lord and savior. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my most valuable players, all people you guys have already mentioned, Aragorn, Eowyn, Sam, Gandalf, and also the horses. Which You can't just <laughs> name everyone. No, no, no. Four <laughs> characters. There's like 30 characters. Okay. And you name the horses, bad. which is the literally horses. thousands of characters. Unless you're talking about a specific horse. <laughs> These people would have lost every battle if they weren't on horses. There's just no way around it. I mean, you know what? We also need to Are get we going to do a shout out to, to the uh, farmers? Oxygen and the farmers. <laughs> <laughs> we should. We should be thankful. I agree with you, Sada. <laughs> exactly. Well, to okay. be fair, didn't, didn't a horse fall on top of... Uh... Thaden. Yeah, Theoden King. Yes, oh my god, (gasps) Jenna, I didn't mention the scene. But no, the scene where Theoden tells Eowyn, I know your face, which was kind of a running thing between them. Such a good moment. Oh my god, such a good moment. 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. I love Theoden. Yeah, what a a good dude. Solid dude. Overtaken by his jealousy of Aragorn. Kind of weak in this movie. He's actually one of my LVPs, but we like him. <laughs> Wait a second. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Theoden was jealous of Aragorn? He spends a lot of the movie talking about how, like, remember when they're celebrating after the ba- battle at Helm's Deep and he says something like, we're not celebrating Theoden King, we're, ce- we're celebrating Aragorn right now. A oh, lot of the true. movie, I feel like, is him trying to hype himself up. It's, like, it's not even my party. It's his party. Exactly. <laughs> He's like, I literally came back from almost being dead. <laughs> like, I do my mind so. was taken over. I do think that Theoden's story is really interesting, like the idea of an old king knowing that his time is gone and there's a new era Aww. coming in. I mean, there's the whole power dynamics. It's, I like it. I would. But he doesn't get in Aragorn's way. Yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly. It. I think the obstacle is more like his relationship with Gondor, right? Mm-hmm. How he see and how like Rohan kind of feels like neglected and stuff by Gondor, mm-hmm. and Gondor kind of feels like, well, they've carried the burden of like defending the the world against Sauron. I think that's a kind of the it, it's uh you know it's a little bit of a little bit of politics. 
There is history there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Should I right, start LBPs. off? With, uh, should I start off? Um, yeah, kick us off, us. Frodo. And I, okay, so Hassan, I liked what you were saying about how we know Frodo has a pure heart and all that. But honestly, are we ever really, there's one interaction in the fellowship in the first movie where Frodo holds the ring and he doesn't seem to be too drawn to it. And so Gandalf's like, this is our guy. Let's have him carry it. Let's do this whole thing. But we never honestly get the, the insight or the idea that he's like the purest and the best and the most capable, right? I mean, to me, he's just such an ordinary character. I don't know if they've done him a disservice or if he's just so overtaken this is your by issue the with harry end. potter too yeah the same thing about him <laughs> the main protagonist sometimes just falls short well i don't you know i gotta i gotta interject it because like harry potter's written in a way i think that you're supposed to kind of like put yourself in harry's shoes because he kind of yes. sees everything happening and he doesn't have much of a personality Frodo in the <laughs> movie is like <laughs> maybe he kind of <laughs> seems a little bit like meek and stuff but you know, you do you do see signs that he is supposed to like. I think that he has like potential for like this this big responsibility. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah, I guess I'm gonna just kind of like you know you kind of yeah you can do it. Um, I mean, Frodo's whole story is but, a, the smallest person can change the course of the world. So I get that he's not sure. supposed to be like this moral the moral compass and all that. I don't know. There, I have my issues with him. On Harry Potter, it's explicitly said that there's a there's a prophecy, right? That there's yeah. a chosen one. There isn't an explicit prophecy in the Lord of the Rings, right? So I kind of agree with Sada in the sense it is different from Harry Potter, right? Because in Lord of the Rings, it was it was the convenience of the the weakest person there. I mean, we should mention that Dumbledore is Khaled's ca- favorite character. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> I was very sad when he continues. died. <laughs> I was very very sad when he died. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah well i said not- the other thing about frodo was you know his uncle i don't know if it's like a genetic thing his uncle had already put up with the ring for a long time without being yeah. too corrupted right relatively speaking and then at the council of elrond and rivendell when they're all talking about it and they're all freaking out and frodo kind of hones in on the ring and then sauron says his one ring to rule them all uh line in the language of of mordor Mm-hmm. Frodo stands up, interrupts that, and, and volunteers to take the ring to Mordor. Yeah. So I think like that's kind of like where we kind of see, oh, this guy's special. I mean, I'll allow it. I don't know, Jonah. What are your thoughts? <laughs> well, I was gonna say like Hollywood is saying it's not prophesized like it is in Harry Potter, but it kind of is, or at least like faded, right? Mm-hmm. Like, cause like you know his uncle took the ring from Smeagol, and then. Um, and then, you know, Frodo, like, of all people, like, who lives with his uncle is, like, the next one to, like, go take the ring and destroy it. Mm-hmm. But don't you feel no. like that's just a series of, like, coincidental events? Like, if his uncle had it, it's going to, I mean, it's going to be closer to Frodo, right? Because it, Frodo lived with his uncle. So it may have just been a coincidence or just been a convenience thing for him. Mm. I don't know. Gandalf was there. He could have taken the ring to anyone. I mean, Gandalf right. had to throw it in an envelope, right? I mean, Gandalf couldn't handle it. What does that say about your favorite character, Hobbit? Means that he's really strong. That's what yeah. it means. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my second least valuable player is Lord Denethor. Well, I mean, yeah, I think Denethor just stands in the way every single time. There isn't a single situation where you're like, Denethor did something good, right? Yeah, never I mean, makes Denethor, the right decision. Literally, just didn't let anyone light the beacons for help, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that was like, I don't know, he's so proud that he doesn't want to ask for help. Mm-hmm. And then, like I was saying, he has this, like, very weird, like, relationship with Baromir, like, that he neglects Faramir. It's almost like a Trump-Ivanka sort of thing. He re- neglects, like, <laughs> Tiffany, honestly. Like, that's the way I see it, really, oh, you though. you forget about Tiffany. Tiffany, you always forget about a little Tiffany. one. Uh, Baron. Oh, God. Yeah. Wow, we've managed to mention Trump on both episodes now, two for two. <laughs> How could he not? <laughs> but you see what I'm saying, right? He always yeah. has this weird infatuation with his son that every, literally everything he does, you could replace him with a neutral character and it would make everything easier for everyone, right? Mm-hmm. If you just you didn't even need to replace him with a, 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 another protagonist. You just needed to replace him with someone who was neutral and it would have yeah. fixed things. I think he's supposed to be like a caricature of men, right? I mean, uh, he's like supposed to be like tied back to the the nine men who got the rings from Sarah and became the mm-hmm. Nazgul, and that he has power over Gondor. He's not willing to like go of it. Doesn't want to step aside for Aragorn, right? And he's like 
his his character is kind of just like a little snippet of the extreme, right? Because him and Boromir both uh, are very tempted by the ring, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just it goes with the overlying theme of like a little bit of power becoming, you know, corrupts. is tempting, and then yeah. yeah, absolute power corrupts absolutely. Yeah, the way I remember reading this book, no, it's just that the Fellowship, the one book that I read, the Fellowship. The way I remember reading it is that Boromir is what every man is, and Aragorn is what every man should be. Oh, yeah, so. I like that. I, yeah, you know, I swear to God, that's what I was gonna say. I've seen this on We're Pinterest. We're such good hosts. <laughs> We're, We're on so the connected. same track. We're so connected. Uh, we only say that about Baromir because we saw the badness that came out of him when he was near the ring. Mm-hmm. In the flashbacks between Baromir and Faramir in the third movie, you saw like a beautiful brotherly love. Yes. Right? But we saw the bad parts come out of Baromir when he was chasing Frodo in uh, the forest where the Urukai were attacking him. What's the forest? Amon Hen, right? Mm-hmm. When he was chasing them in Amon Hen, you saw the badness come out of only because there was a ring. Was there a situation, actually, can you remind me, where Faramir was near the ring and had a temptation or was able yeah, to resist when, the temptation? when he found Frodo, when they found Frodo and Sam. and like He captured they, Frodo. And Frodo told him, I have the ring and I got yeah. to throw it out. He but, was like, the ring know, of power is in my grasp or in my hand. Yeah, so then I yeah. think I agree with you then, Jenna. I think that's a good point. Yeah. But Boromir, the, the thing is, we, we do got to give him credit, though. He's not a bad person, right? It's no. just like you mm-hmm. said, this is what, what men are. Because he does have like an, uh, a redemption arc. Because yes. immediately after Frodo gets away, he immediately regrets it. He admits it to Aragorn, and then he dies defending Merry and Pippin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, what separates them from their parent, from Denethor, is that they make the moral choice in the end. They are able to redeem themselves, yeah. whereas their father is never able to. The rest of our least valuable players, anyone? Oh, yeah. um, me, I have the steward of Gondor. He's mean, evil. I don't like him. Evil Smeagol is also mean. I don't like him. <laughs> I find it so like the least valuable player is so. I mean, because now we're like kind of picking people that aren't protagonists, right? I mean, you don't really. When you, I think most valuable player, you're going to pick someone that's on your team. Least valuable mm-hmm. player, you're going to pick someone that's on your team. Mm-hmm. And like, was Denethor really on their team? Was Smeagol really on their team? Like, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. So, so there, well, there aren't many options, I guess, outside. I of- also have Pippin on there, who's on their team. What? Pippin was just annoying. Pippin Jenna was not annoying. Pippin was this, one was... of my least favorite scenes is when he finds the ball. It's like all it's a it's a little the cheesy ball? for me. <laughs> the ball, the ball with the eye, whatever the it is. It's, yeah, it's cheesy. That that whole scene, yeah, like the the slow motion, and he's like, you know, it's like he can't let it. It was just I didn't. It wasn't a good moment. Mm-hmm. He just kept getting in the way. Yeah. I think Pippin's role in the story was to give you kind of like a protagonist view of like what Gondor was like and what Denethor was like. And, you know, of course he does mm-hmm. like fight and stuff at Minas Tirith and at the Black Cave, but I could, I could see how you could call him an LVP. Yeah. Well, this movie can't go right. wrong in your eyes. <laughs> yeah. No, we're going to criticize it right now. My favorite question of this podcast, does this movie have too many white people? And there's only one correct answer. Yes. Thank you. A hard yes. <laughs> Middle Earth doesn't have people of color, apparently. There are no I mean, I'm trying to think of one person of color. Is there, what one per- is there any person? There's of- none. It shows how this movie is from the early 2000s. It's, this is like one of the weakest parts of the story is that these films are really from that time period. And I mean, that wouldn't stand today in 2020, but it's, I don't know, pretty Yeah, weird. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely not defending the, the casting choices or anything. You know, I, I, honestly, it, it's one of my favorite movies, but I wonder if it has anything to do with, uh, I don't know if anyone knows anything about this, with Rice with Tolkien and... I don't, I'm not sure Tolkien really meant for it to be a commentary on race, but it might just also be from the, the world that he grew up in. Mm-hmm. He, I, I feel like uh, a, a lot of people think that, you know, is this a racist story? Is it a non-racist story? I always felt that because he talks about men, elves, and dwarves, mm-hmm. it's supposed to be a more a, a story about, like, tolerance, especially, like, as you see the relationship between Gimli and Legolas develop but as far as the movie goes yeah i mean i'm not sure what the excuse is i like what you're saying about tolerance but yeah it should be up to the people who are making a film representative of the world that we live in to pay attention to things like this right yeah any more thoughts jenna or anyone before i move on all right. I guess I, I'm the anyone, right? Because Hassan already spoke. And then said, just anyone. It could be anyone. <laughs> if, if Hassan would like to speak again, he's more than welcome to. 
Okay, so the Bechdel test, the next portion. So this is a test that asks whether or not a movie has two female characters who are named and whether or not those characters interact at least once to have a conversation that does not pertain to a man. Failed. Fails it. Not, not a only single this movie, moment. I think all of them fail it, no? Unless I'm misremembering. Maybe there's a scene with Arwen and like her like maiden women. I don't even I think Arwen talks to some refugees. Yeah, the, the mother with the children. Oh. Right? Yeah. yeah. No, she talks yeah. to the children at length for like, not at length, but there's a scene, but there's like a moment where there's the battle, that little battle before Helm's Deep in the second film. And then she's like rushing the refugees, mm-hmm. yeah, off to the side. Can you explain to me how a trilogy that has one movie where a tree talks for 45 minutes doesn't have a conversation <laughs> between two women? <laughs> I just, how did this happen? How creatively? There I mean, are hundreds of people who make a movie. Like, how did I just, We talked about this last week with Infinity Wars. It's another movie with hundreds of people it there was one the only one moment which was when um the women like save like one another like a scarlet yeah, witch know. and yeah. yeah i mean peter jack i mean although I, I don't know if tolkien had any fake things in it but you know J- peter jackson definitely could have added something in there it's definitely interesting i've never consciously noticed or not noticed that that's something i'm gonna look for i think most most movies fail it it's pretty it's pretty interesting it's, it's called, such a basic thing the back the back the Beck Dell, like Beck dash Dell, B E C D H E L or something. There's an. You're just saying letters now. Oh, like Bechdel. <laughs> Bechdel, yes. yeah. I honestly not sure how to pronounce this. We. I we think it's the it. Kate Beckinsale test. Exactly. <laughs> Look up the I'm Kate. I'm not sure Beck- if she has any conversations with other women. She's usually yeah. the leading lady. Yeah, that test is a different one. It asks whether or not she talks to more than one woman uh, in a movie. <laughs> <laughs> but. It's unfortunate. I suppose we can't change it. I still love this movie, but again, it feels like it's from 2003 and some things don't age as well. Okay, so our trivia for today. First thing is about Gollum and the CGI behind all that. I guess the character Gollum, there really hadn't been anything done to that level. They took Andy Serkis, all his facial movements, his body proportions and everything and made a frame-by-frame animation of it, which just change cgi going forward so the tech behind this movie although when you watch it it does feel some of the cgi feels dated but i actually i mean it's nostalgic and i don't really mind it but it's interesting yeah that was kind of the yeah Yeah, it it won a bunch of stuff for it best visual effects makeup i mean i don't think it's aged that badly but it's interesting how the cgi from that film changed motion capture going forward that's one fact Second fact for you guys is Peter Jackson originally wanted Frodo to deliberately murder Gollum in Mount Doom. <gasps> he wanted oh. there to be some moral ambiguity to the story, and he really wanted it to be like Frodo doing something that... So he, he was willing to change certain things in the story. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder who put a stop to it. Who, who I don't said... Know. I, yeah, I'm not sure. Probably Andy but... Serkis. He's like... <laughs> 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 Frodo would have been so more, so more di- like such more, like much more dy- uh, dynamic. If they, I know they should have done that. They oh, done I that. love that. Like, yeah. I don't Instead, know. you kind of have this half. I'm very happy thing. that he didn't do that. I, well, I don't think purist. I would have cared. I don't think <laughs> I think you wouldn't have cared, Khalid. It wouldn't. Yeah, have I, don't think I, I don't think I would. I don't think I would have. I mean, like, I, I like the story as is. I think it would have added like an interesting element, but I just like Gandalf enough to not care about Frodo. <laughs> That's the answer for everything. I think him not killing Gollum kind of le- leaves the room for like you know the whole that thing kind of happening happening as like a struggle and an accident and an act of fate. I think I would have liked it if, say, in that moment, Gollum took the ring and then Frodo decides to push him with the ring off. I think that would have been an interesting moment. Like he chooses to officially let go of the ring instead. In the actual movie, you have it. He has to fail throwing it in there because Gollum has to play his role. Yeah, because wow. of the destiny thing. Right. I just got chills. <laughs> <laughs> third fact, each film has someone saying the movie title. This film, the third one, it's Gandalf says it at some point. Um, something, oh. something, Return of the King. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Obviously talking about Aragorn, but. Yeah, that, I think, doesn't Gandalf say also, he doesn't he also, oh, no, no. I think the Who second says- one is Saruman. He says the two towers at some point. It might be in the uh-huh. extended edition because I don't really remember it, but. 
Yeah. Can we? Nice job with the research on this. You're welcome. <laughs> I, we're I we're only covering Return of the King. I looked up interesting facts for Return of the King. At first, I looked up interesting <laughs> trivia, and it took me to all these sites where I had to do tri- like play trivia and like quizzes. Fashion. Yeah, so I did that, and then I moved on, and I eventually. <laughs> it's like when Facebook first started. Exactly. Plus, Buzzfeed first started. All right, wait. I really want to get to the fifth one because you're going to love it, Hessen. But fourth oh. fact. Recent fact, 2018, Amazon outbids Netflix for a 250 million rights deal for five seasons Damn. of Lord of the Rings. Yep. The cost of the show itself is expected to be over $1 billion. Oh, my goodness. Like, imagine if this thing fails. I mean, Amazon can do it. Yeah, it has I to mean, be good, yeah. though. But how do you guys feel about everything, one, being remade? Like, we've already had a great, great trilogy. We're going to make a TV show. Number two, everything becoming a TV show. Is it an extension of the story, or the- I thought it was Not just redoing set in the, the same films. world? It could be an extension of the story, or like it's some other the time. Yeah, okay. I'm assuming different. at a certain point they're going to go off book if it's five okay. seasons of a TV show. Okay. They're going to do like you know. I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure if it's going to be any book or just st- stuff based on his like other writings, like mm-hmm. Silmarillion and Children of Her, and like other stories that are set mm-hmm. in Middle Earth or stuff that's like alluded to, or they're just going to you know do whatever and just kind of mm-hmm. like try and keep the same tone and like filming style for the fans. I hope they never remake it. I mm-hmm. mean, not anytime soon. I really do like them the way that they're done, albeit, you know, <laughs> cultural issues that we discussed. I mean, I-, I can't imagine like different actors playing those big roles right now. They can definitely repurpose like the score and stuff. The one fear that I have is I really hope that they remain complementary to the movies, right? And to the books and that they don't, veer off the path that's already kind of been been set for them. I think the goal is to make this the next Game of Thrones. From the article I was reading, it seems like Amazon really wants to have the next... What do you mean by that? Because everybody says next Game of Thrones about literally every new show with like swords in it. When people say make the next Game of Thrones, do they mean is it going to be a show that people immediately talk about Monday at work the next week? You know what I mean? Like, is it going to have that kind of impact? I, oh, so we're okay. all in on it together. And I, I think that's the goal with this TV yeah. show. I'm not sure that it will because Lord of the Rings is already kind of like established, right? I Mm -hmm. I think it's going to bring in the same crowd of people. Whereas like Game of Thrones, like it completely, I mean, was, I don't know. What was the the number of people who read the books compared to the number of people who actually watched the show? I'm sure it was way greater show, Mm -hmm. but do you think that it's going to, Lord of the Rings is going to be able to gather a different crowd than it already has? That's a good point. Yeah, I don't know. Is it going to be people yeah. who are already familiar with the material tuning in? Or are we going to see a new? Well, I mean, but that's also kind yeah. of one of my questions we'll get to later is how this franchise has aged and how people who are yeah. younger coming up, how they feel about it. So I don't think Layla's generation cares at all. Layla is 16, no. 17. Like she didn't want to be you know here how for old this. Your sister is? is she 16? <laughs> She's turning 17 in, a, in a, almost a month, almost yeah. a month. But I don't think like Layla has never really seen a Disney movie. Oh, no, really? she has. No, she's well. Now them. that we have Disney Plus, she hasn't watched most of them. No, she, she watched them. She just doesn't care. It's not her favorite thing. You're going to <laughs> make it seem like I'm lying on no, no, my like podcast. <laughs> I, I think growing up, right? You're talking yeah. about growing up. Like as a kid, she yeah. didn't watch the same Mm-mm. movies. Well, who's now she's seen more on Disney Plus. Hey, I think hey. it's Jenna's fault because Jenna wanted to play Friends twenty four seven. Yeah, that's <laughs> probably why she grew up. No, yeah, yeah, no. That, that's a very good point because I would literally come over. Little Leda would be sitting down on the couch, and Jenna would be watching the OC or the City or whatever, and that's what Leila grew up with. Yep, reality TV. I mean. I, I can't argue against that. All right. I, I, I secede again in the second episode. <laughs> you won. <laughs> Can I give you my last and favorite fact? Hassan, yeah. you're going you're gonna to love it so much. <laughs> Sir Nicholas Cage was offered the role of Sir Airborne. Sir Cage. And he turned it down due to family obligations. <gasps> That's not true. My head is exploding. You're Russell Crowe, you guys. Swear to God. Russell Crowe was a backup, but he was filming Gladiator at the time. Yeah, and it would seem yeah. too similar. That's a little Here's more a conceivable, though, than Nicolas Cage. I can't in. even imagine. I cannot. I've been the thinking bees. about it all day. The bees. What would that look like? The bees. My head is hurting. This movie doesn't work without Viggo Mortensen, I don't think. No. I really don't he, think yeah, he, he ta- He's the glue. Well, aside from he's Gandalf. The They're the glue. Yeah, watch Russell Crowe is the only conceivable second option. It's weird because Viggo Mortensen is the only other guy I'd want to see in Gladiator and Russell Crowe is the only other guy I'd watch in Lord of the Rings, like for these characters. Yeah. But 
Uh, I'd like to make a point. I think Sir Ian McKellen could have replaced Aragorn. (laughs) (laughs) Some CGI, make him a little bit younger. (laughs) Wait, okay, that's Um, an interesting question, though. Who who else could have played Aragorn? So, okay, so I want Antonio Banderas. (laughs) He had the long hair and the mustache, maybe. uh, Is it Latinx? Is there anyone from our generation now, like a young 30s, 40s actor? Harry Styles. No, seriously. Someone who's like an actor, who's a good actor, who we watch now, who's popular now. Is there anyone you could see playing that role? Do you know what's happening in my mind? I'm just like thinking of all my favorite, like I'm thinking of Brian Cranston, like Breaking Bad, like I love that show, putting him in Aragorn. Like him is, that just would be pretty funny. I can't actually think of anyone. And I think that's because Aragorn is so, he's just so solidified in my head that it's difficult. I, I can't, I can't kind of detach. It's difficult for me to make that. I don't know. Hassan has very easy uh, ability to detach himself. So maybe he could answer the question. <laughs> Hassan is devoid of feelings. I don't Anyone know. else uh, for you? Of, I got to think about this one. I'm not sure. I think I could see Henry Cavill or Charlie Hunnam. Like not They're too, too beefy. beefy. They are. Henry, Henry Cavill. Cavill. I like Henry huge. Cavill, but he does. I don't think he's got the reach. I think they have the right Sorry, disposition bro. or a closer one, but they're like the two closest I could really think of. I couldn't. I really yeah, can't. They got cold dispositions. Yeah. Probably someone from Game of Thrones who played Jon Snow. We're gonna put no, no, no. You put Kit Harrington. Is just gonna do that stare in every scene? Exactly. I've never yeah. seen Game of Thrones, but I can picture it more <laughs> because it's that whole vibe. Olin is doing the stare for us now. I wish our listeners <laughs> could, could see this. Um, but ultimately, before we move on, this movie could have had Nicolas Cage as Aragorn and Jake Gyllenhaal as Frodo, and I just think it's a completely different franchise. That would be. I want to see it. I just want to I, see that. Maybe, maybe on stage. No. <laughs> maybe like a do, yeah, on Broadway was, or something. Do a live remake during COVID. <laughs> yeah, that would be good. I'd NBC, if you're listening, please, please do this. All right. Okay. Basically, now to conclude, let's do overall thoughts. Is this, in your mind, a movie that really lives beyond its time? The movie of the decade it came out in. How how high? I mean, I know we've all said we love it so much. How I guess how do you feel about it ultimately today in 2020? I mean, when I go back to that decade, The Dark Knight came out in the same decade. I feel like that I have was thoughts on that. Deal, was it not? I have thoughts on that. I don't know. Men, you speak. <laughs> Please, brother. I feel like I have a hard time kind of distancing myself. I, I grew up with it and being hot to literally like watch it, you know, one of the movies like almost every weekend and just, <laughs> just kind of, we really Aww. like it. I liked it a lot that way. You know, seeing it in theaters, playing the video games. I mean, I played real time strategy games, Battle for Middle Earth, Return of the King on the, on the GameCube. That was a great like yes. player game. And Two Towers before it was, was fun. All the whole like Lord of the Rings world that, Peter Jackson was able to adapt from the books really just like influenced me growing up and I, I really enjoyed it. So I'm just I'm always going to be biased or just like really loving the film and having mm-hmm. watched it, you know, during quarantine recently. I mean, I, I, I still think it's, it's amazing. I would agree. I think, I mean, the Academy certainly recognized something too. There, a film like this hadn't won best picture before, you know, like it was really, yeah. I do want to mention the pictures that were nominated that year, so I wonder if it was also kind of slow. Mm-hmm. Lost in Translation. All right, I love, it's an indie film, so it's that kind of like a big deal for it to make it up there. Yeah, right? and that was Not really critically picture. beloved. But was it yeah. going to win that? It was good. It, was yeah. it wasn't going to win. Yeah, yeah. it wasn't going to win. Master and Commander, The Far Side of the World. Well, I was one of the few people who liked that movie. That's probably why Russell Crowe was busy, because besides <laughs> Gladiator, he followed it up with that. Seabiscuit. Nice Isn't Seabiscuit considered a joke? Isn't it like considered a yeah. joke now? I remember people right? crying, but like I was like 12 or something when it came out. So. <laughs> I, I, uh, I wasn't Mystic River is the last one. That's a great yeah. movie. Uh, is it a great movie? I don't, I don't. You don't like I, it? I don't like it. I, I don't, it I also don't movie. love Sean Penn. I feel like he's the biggest <laughs> over actor that we have and I'm just not that into it. And I don't. I don't know. Sean Penn, about Aragorn. Sean Penn is Frodo. Oh, <laughs> Aragorn. Aragorn. I, I was. I watched Mystic River by myself, and the first scene really freaked me out. So I actually had to stop it because I thought it was going to be a completely different movie from the first scene. You know, but I don't think Mystic River. I can't remember a beautiful scene in Mystic River. You know, that's true. Actually, yeah, you don't really. Are those movies you'd want to revisit? Ultimately, no, right? Because they're kind of traumatic, to be honest. 
yeah not to spoil it since we're not really <laughs> talking about it today that's some it's another episode another episode but okay maybe Jenna, this is a good time so you brought up the dark knight so it's some background yeah. when the dark knight came out it was not nominated for best picture which caused a lot of uproar and from there the academy changed its best picture category and extended up to 10 movies so it really changed the way, like that's for people who like movies, for movie critics, that was a really big deal. Like it changed the way the Oscars work. So people always say the Dark Knight is kind of the blockbuster standard for critical success. I don't think you have that success if Lord of the Rings doesn't come before it. If The Return that's of the King doesn't right. have the success, yeah. it does. If Return of the King doesn't win Best Picture, does Avatar get nominated for Best Picture? Does Dark Knight oh, come into a critical conversation? No. So I feel like in terms of a, a franchise blockbuster that changed the conversation about how, around how we view big films, Lord of the Rings has to be the winner in my eyes. But Yeah. I mean, think about it now, I guess, like would Lord of the Rings, would we expect in our lifetime Lord of the Rings to sweep the Oscars the way that it did back in 2004? No. I don't think I would see it coming. No. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. I mean, the Lord of the Rings was a very beautiful culmination of almost everything a person wants to see and relate to. Right. Yeah. has, comedy has love has action has growth it has all these things so the fact that it struck the oscars back then doesn't really surprise me maybe it surprised people back then which means that maybe it could still surprise people now mm-hmm. it's a complex version of a hero's journey like a hero's yes. tale yeah a lot of people when lord of the rings came out they said this is a star wars of that generation like hessen for you it's lord of the rings is a star wars of your generation it's that big of a deal so whenever i watch star wars the this franchise that people like they're obsessed with they adore it they think it's the greatest thing ever and then i watch lord of the rings i'm like yeah it doesn't compare like it lacks the depth it lacks the complexity we have well, a lot of which great one likes the depth star wars star, or wars. star wars star wars i don't know like we have great franchises and it's unfair to compare them but like i think marvel star wars star trek they don't com- compare to lord of the rings you know like i don't know i think it's as good as a big movie can get I think Lord of the Rings was more part of your childhood that like you took to it more as like when you were younger, whereas yeah. like I feel like the three of us, like we watched Star Wars together as like a family. It was like a family thing, right? And Sada wasn't at that age yet, right? Mm-hmm. Like I still like really love like She was old, like staring at movies. the wall. <laughs> she didn't have that interest. Sada actually played with dolls. Sada, where were you I was during afraid of childhood. Gollum. I was afraid of the spider scene in Gollum. I was not a fan. You were afraid of Lord of the Rings. I remember you would always talk to me. You wouldn't. You told me you weren't able to watch Return of the King. Yeah. It changed in high school freshman year when I read the book. Where, where else are you going to take us, us? Really, one other thing. But any final thoughts on this movie overall? We all feel good. Nothing will ever top it. Bold words. I'm a bold man. I'm well, telling <laughs> you, I don't. <laughs> I, 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 I'm. I'm certain. I will never find a movie that I can just love in passing just as I did Lord of the Rings. I agree. That's a good way to put it. I did realize, though, that there is some repetitiveness in the storylines. There's always a big battle happening where you're like, oh, my God, they're not going to make it. And then someone appears at the crack of dawn and Mm -hmm. rides in and saves the day. It happens more than once. It's amazing. I love those moments, but it, it, it occurred like several times. I mean, we're definitely very biased. Even the parts of this movie I could do without that are cheesy or long or boring, I still will watch and enjoy, you know? But that's our that's yeah. my own bias. There are definitely if things... you can, can watch change. the Fangorn Forest scenes, then you're, you're definitely a fan. <laughs> but I mean, I'll admit, those are probably still my least, my absolute least favorite. Treebeard yeah. talking. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot, for sure. Well, I wanted to say I would watch the Fangorn scenes always because... Like those scenes are great. I love the Fangorn scenes. I love when Gandalf. That's because like, Treebeard is literally like a, a, a plant version of an old man. Old. <laughs> yeah, literally. I I also like the ambiguity of the White Wizard. Like they say Saruman, and then it's you know. Yeah. Khalid uh, growing up was the kid that wanted to hang out with the old grandpas instead of playing with us in the basement. <laughs> Do we have a lot of old grandpas in our family? Yeah. I mean, you know, the older respected Lebanese men in the family. Yeah, it's ah. true. Episode number two, she again brings up being <laughs> Lebanese. We got it in there. Oh, really? We did it. Holland is wearing the damn cedar tree around his neck. Hell yeah, next to my heart. That's how close it is. Well, to end, we asked ourselves this on the last episode. Does this movie earn Leila's respect and could she improve it? When no. asked if it earns her respect, she said, I've never seen it. 
when asked if she can improve it, she said yes. So <laughs> there you go. Um, Thank you, Layla. We're so glad to have your so opinion glad. as always. Yeah. Such sages um, of shit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, guys. Thanks for joining. We're really happy to have had you. Thanks for carving time out of your day. And we apologize for any technical difficulties you guys may have heard. But thanks for This episode in. was sponsored by Shawarma. <laughs> and Nicholas Cage. And, and Nicholas. And Nicholas Fat Fit Fun. <laughs> Wait, real fast. You called him Sir Nicholas Cage. Was he yeah. actually knighted? No, he should be though, no? I mean, there's no one like him. <laughs> Wait, we brought up Nicolas Cage too in the last episode. I made Wait. a joke about uh, that. We gotta bring him up in each one then. We didn't even yeah. bring up, I didn't even say why Hassan would like that fact. Ladies and gentlemen, for some reason, for the past few years, because he's incredibly committed, we get random <laughs> Nicolas Cage messages from Hassan. Despite never having talked about Nicholas Cage, never, never. You know, towards the end of my interest. fellowship, uh, one one of my coworkers put up a giant printout of Nicholas Cage, and you know, in Con Air, when he's coming out of the plane and he kind of like smells the freedom and kind of closes his eyes as like the sun hits his face and his hair is falling back, and then he's printed a big color one and posted it on my <laughs> my workspace. <laughs> so that's when your love began. Is that what you're trying to tell? No, this was last month. Like, oh. <laughs> oh man well we can do another episode on Nicholas that's Cage. another episode yeah where we dive into Hassan's uh, fetish fascination fascination oh with a Nicholas Cage <laughs> well this has been an experience <laughs> truly <laughs> one will never repeat I'm probably going to regret this for the rest of my life <laughs>